0: Well, what is up, Element, sure, so glad. Uh, that all of you are here with us today. I do wanna take a moment and welcome in those of you joining us on video, whether right here in our building or somewhere on the other side of the planet, on the internet, glad you are with us as well. And if you're new here, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. So thankful that you've chosen some time uh, to spend with us today as we are continuing a sermon series called Our Father, Praying Prayers That Matter. And I think sometimes, uh, at least I do, I try to say the right things in my prayers. Ever find yourself doing that? Just kind of thinking that if I, can, if I can say the right words, that will somehow unlock God's heart to do whatever I'm asking him to do. But kids kids aren't like that at all. I mentioned last week how much I love the honesty and simplicity of children, especially when it comes to matters of the faith, like prayer, and I came across some prayers that children uh, Prayed that their parents recorded them, and some of them are cute and funny. And I thought they would be a great way to get us thinking about about prayer today. So, so here's the first one. Says this child prayed this: Dear God. Thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy, right? So if you have a little brother, maybe you feel that way as well, right? If you have a little brother. Um, I don't know if it's the same kid that prayed this prayer, but it sounds kind of familiar. Uh, dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. I got people in my life like that as well. Uh, this kid's figured it out. Now he's thinking on a whole other level here. Uh, dear God... Please take care of my my daddy, mommy, sister, brother, my doggie, and me. Oh, and please take care of yourself, God. If anything happens to you, we're gonna be in a big mess. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. That kid's wise beyond his years. Now, I like the way this kid thinks, okay? He says this, uh, Dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time like I am. (laughs) I've told you before, if, you, if you're not having fun while you sin, you're not doing it right, and this kid's figured that out. Uh, now this, this child uh, is after my own heart. Uh, Dear God, did the unicorns miss the ark? Too bad the cats didn't miss. I am doing some preaching today, yes. And then this last kid goes right along with our sermon series, this was hilarious. Dear God, I say your prayer every night, lead us not into temptation and deliver us some email. So why have I never got an email from you? So as I said, Uh, That one's perfect for our sermon series, because if you don't know, this whole series is based on or from the Lord's Prayer. And if you grew up in church, depending on kind of the church tradition you grew up in, you might have called the Lord's Prayer the Our Father. And so every week in the series, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together as a church. Before we do that, though, I do want to remind us that the Lord's Prayer is not a mandate for how we should pray. It's a model of what our prayer should look like. And it's not a prescription to get what we want from God. It's loaded with principles that will grow our relationship with God. And the first principle we looked at last week was the principle of position. That my position in my prayers is more important than my petition in my prayers. That, That more than the words I say, more than what I ask for, it's who I'm praying to that matters the most or makes my prayers matter the most. And so we took the very first phrase of the Lord's Prayer. If you weren't here last week, you want to catch up, you can do that online through our website. You can watch or listen to it. And then we took the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. And I challenged us to pray this prayer every day. Our Father who art in heaven, you are God and I am not. So I surrender my position to you. Surrender my position to you. Now I'm fully aware that right here in our service and and watching online this week, uh, there are probably people here that you don't believe in God or you don't have the same view of God that we would have here at Element. And if that's you, like I completely understand that, that praying to him is not going to be a priority for you, and I get that, I do. I also understand that a lot of the application from the messages may not be the same to you as it is to, some, to someone who does believe in and follow Jesus, and, and I get that too. So, but here's the thing, all of us are in the same boat with this that we can all understand what the biblical goal or definition of prayer is, and that includes the Lord prayer. So prayer, whether you believe in God or not, is not some magic formula to get God to do what we want him to do. Prayer is the intentional practice of growing our relationship with him. In the same way that you cannot grow in relationship with a person unless there's conversation, neither can we grow our relationship with God unless there is conversation, and that's done through prayer. So that's what the true biblical goal or definition of prayer is. With that in mind, I want us, whether you believe in God or not, to at least say the Lord's Prayer together. You don't have to pray it or believe it, but I just want all of us to say it together. And so there's a graphic on the screen that we'll read along. If you don't know, the disciples, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord's Prayer was his response. Let's read it together out loud, says this. Pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Did anyone almost say, deliver us some email? Anybody do that? That That's what I almost did. As I said, so uh, the the Lord's Prayer here, today I want to focus on uh, the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer, which is, hallowed be thy name. Other versions say, may your name be kept holy, or may your name be honored as holy. So what does that mean? Hallowed be thy name. Well, with every sermon I do, I take the Bible passage and I look at what other uh, smarter people than me said about it, theologians and scholars, and one of them that I read is the uh, man named Albert Barnes, a great theologian from the 1800s, and here's what he said about this phrase, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means to render or pronounce Holy. So, the meaning of this petition is let thy name be celebrated, revered, and esteemed as holy everywhere, and receive from all people proper honor. It is thus the expression of a wish or desire on the part of the one praying that the name of God or that God himself should be held everywhere in proper praise. And so that word praise is what I want us to focus on today. And it helps, it helps get us into our big idea. So here's the big idea. It's on the screens if you want to write it down as well. And this will kind of drive the rest of our talk today. The most powerful petitions to God are fueled from our praises of God that our most powerful prayers are fueled first from our praises of God. Now, I don't believe that it was an accident that Jesus included praise at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And here's why this is such a big deal. If you can't find anything to praise God for, then you really don't have a foundation to present your requests to God. That if you have nothing to praise, there's no foundation to pray from. So our prayers, prayers that matter, are ultimately born out of our praises of God. So I'm going to ask the big question that maybe some of you are already literally asking yourself. So here's the big question. What do I have to praise God for? What do I have to praise God for? And you might literally be honestly asking that question. Maybe you came in and you're saying, listen, my life sucks right now. So what do I have to praise God for? Or in light of the senseless and evil terrorist act that happened last night, what do I have to praise God for? Like if there is a God, why would that even happen? In this life, and that's a whole other subject we're not even gonna get into, but in the main scripture, Isaiah 25 1, we're gonna see three ways that all of us, regardless of who you are, can praise God. There's three ways or three things we can all praise God for. And so even though it's only one verse for our main scripture, we're looking at a lot of different scripture and some other quotes and stuff as well uh, in this message. And so kind of the best way to follow along if you have a mobile device is to use the free Bible app called YouVersion. I was told we were having some problem people accessing it in first service. I Hopefully it's fixed in this service. But if you get Version, it's free on your device. Go to the events section, look up Element Church WY. all the, the notes and scriptures and everything are there. It'll also be on the screens. And if you don't own your own Bible, man, we don't want you to go without one. And so ask for a Bible at guest services. We'll get you one for free. The most powerful petitions to God are fueled from our praises of God. So what do I have to praise God for? Three things. The first one is this. I can praise him for who he is. Simply praise him for who he is. Isaiah 25 First part of verse one says this, O Lord, same two words. We started last week's different verse, same two words. O Lord, that name Lord is from last, talked about last week, is the highest name of God. It's the name God gave himself to Moses, the name Yahweh. So O Yahweh, that highest name of God, I will honor and praise your name for you are my God. So first and foremost, God, I praise you simply for who you are, that you are God and there is no other. This, we talked about this last week, right? That, that you are God and I am not. But listen, it's not only that I am not God, there is no other God. I praise him for who he is, that he is God. We sang this earlier, right? In the song My Soul Is Yours, Pastor Jared wrote that song, by the way. It is an amazing worship song, which, by the way, you can get that song on the Element Music CD or you can download it from iTunes as well. The whole album is amazing. And I was told we have a a summer special going on at the Element Store. So you can buy the album and an Element Music t shirt, which are super cool, for $25 combined. So if you haven't got the album, you can do that at the Element Store. And I'm going to throw this in as well. I wasn't planning this today. but I'm just going to throw it in because it's about the only time I can feel like it's going to fit. Uh, but if you don't know, you might have seen it on Facebook. But our element music team has been asked to uh, perform at a music festival in Casper called The Uprising on Saturday, August 20th. And I would love to see an army of elementers up there kind of leading the charge in worship. Yeah, we can clap for that. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, the, the music festival is 100% free, and here's what's really cool. Uh, we have been asked to be the opener for the headliner on Saturday night. And so, yeah, it's basically, So Citizen Way is going to be there. If you, if you listen to Air One or K-Love, uh, you might hear Citizen Way. Seventh Time Down will be there. And then Element, so it's going to be Citizen Way on Saturday night, then Element. And then Tadashi. So if you don't know, like if you're into rap music, Tadashi is like one of the leading Christian rap guys. He's amazing. He's the headliner. We're playing right before him. So we'd love to see you up there on uh, August 20th. The event is free. Uh, that would be amazing. But so going back to the song, My Soul Is Yours, we sang in the bridge, love this line, you stand alone, you have no equal. No equal. So, so it's not God and then a close second are other little g-gods. It's not God and then the angels, and then we're kind of right there. It's not even God and the devil. You realize that? Like the devil, church, is not the arch enemy of God. We need to understand this. Like the devil to God is not like Lex Luthor to Superman or Joker to Batman. And we'll have another conversation some other time about whether or not Batman is a superhero. If you love Jesus, you'll agree with me that he is. That's a whole nother point. But God, he is. God, the devil is not God's arch enemy. The devil and God are not even in the same stratosphere. That God literally, listen, God, yeah, you can clap for that in a second. It's going to get even better. God God will destroy the devil with the word of his mouth. That God literally speaks and the devil has to submit. Has to. So Jeremiah 10 verse 6 says this. Oh, Lord, there is no one like you. For you are great, and your name is full of power. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name. Hallowed be thy name. Why? Because you are God, and there is no other. The all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. You have no beginning and you have no end. There is no one above you. There can be no one beside you. And we all exist only because of you. You are the never changing, everlasting, unstoppable, and as we sang, invincible God. And that's a scary combination, by the way. Because if you were to give all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, unstoppable ability to any other being in the universe, including me, it would be a recipe for disaster. But that's the second reason why we can praise God. Because not only is he God and has all those attributes, but he's also good. He's good. And I know what somebody's already thinking. How can you say, that God's good because my life is literally a hellhole right now. It sucks. Again, in light of a senseless act of murder, which they are now saying is the largest mass shooting in the history of our country. How can you say God's good? So here's the thing, church we have to know this. The goodness of God is not determined by how great my life is. The goodness of God is determined by how great our God is. Didn't we sing that too? How great is our God? Sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great, how great is our God. Psalm 135, three puts it this way. Praise the Lord for the Lord is, everyone say it together. He's what? He's good. Nahum 1-7, the Lord is, say it again, good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He's close to those who trust in him. Psalm 86, verse 5, oh Lord, you are so, one more time, Was it say? Yes. Good. So ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. It's good. I don't know if you've ever read the books by C.S. Lewis called The Chronicles of Narnia, Uh, Maybe you've done how I read books and watch the movies. Okay, it's not quite the same. Uh, When I was a kid, my mom read all the books to us, and if you haven't read them, you should. Uh, They're spiritual allegories, meaning that C.S. Lewis used mythical creatures and a fictional story to share truths about Christianity, spiritual truths about Christianity. And if you don't know this, this is also super cool, C.S. Lewis was good friends, many say best friends, with the author of the Lord of the Rings series, J.R.R. Tolkien. And because I can, I wanna share with you, and because my parents are watching online today, I wanna share with you one of my favorite memories, uh, stories about my parents. So when the Lord of the Rings came out, my parents don't typically go, go to movies or whatever, but they saw Lord of, of the Rings. And the very first Lord of the Rings, the, you know, introduced the character Schmeagel. And Schmeagel's kind of creepy. And Schmeagel creeped my mom out. Like she just could not stand the voice of Schmeagel. And so at night, when my parents were laying in bed with the lights out, my dad would lean over to my mom and say, my precious, and it just freaks her. So that's, I just want to show her that, you're welcome, dad, now you're in trouble again. So um, in the book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, The lion in the story is Aslan, that's his name. He represents Jesus in our spiritual lives. Susan is one of the human characters. She's having a conversation with with a mythical creature, Mr. Beaver, about Aslan. And I love how Lewis described the lion, which represents Jesus or God in our lives. So here's a quote from the book. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Isn't that good? Reminds me of Isaiah eight thirteen and 14. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. Hallowed be thy name. He is the one that you should fear. He is the one that should make you tremble. And look at this. He will keep you safe. Why? Because he's good. He's a good God. Most powerful petitions to God are fueled by our praises of God. So what do I have to praise God for? Simply for who he is. And listen, it would take us longer than we have time in our life to talk about every attribute of God we could praise him for. We look at two. He's God and he's good. And there are millions of others we could look at. Here's the second reason, second way or thing I can praise God for. Number two is this I can praise him for what he's done. Simply for what he's done. Continuing on, reading Isaiah 25, 1 it says this, O oh Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. Saw that already. You do such wonderful things. You do such wonderful things that God, not only do I praise you for who you are, but I praise you for what you have done. And because of what God has already done, I know that he is able to do anything, to do anything. Can I take some time and tell you how God's been challenging me on this subject the last couple of weeks. It's a rhetorical question because I'm going to anyway, but it's just a polite thing to do to ask you. So whether you want to do or not, I'm going to tell you this is how it rolls around here. So when I, see, when I see what God has already done, it inspires me to ask him to do anything because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, I know as Christians we say that, And I I think we believe it, but let me take it one step further. This is where God's been challenging me last three or four weeks. Not only is nothing impossible with God, but nothing is even remotely difficult for him. I shared this on Monday night at the Frontlines prayer group that meets the first Monday of, of every month that on Thursday, May 19th, I sat down to do my devotional time with God. I wrote a couple of things in my journal, opened up my Bible and started reading where I left off the day before. I was in the book of 2 Kings. And I read chapters one, two, and then I was in 2 Kings three. And in 2 Kings three, the army of Israel was up against an impossible situation. An enemy army from Moab was coming to attack them. And so the Israelite army goes out into the wilderness to face this battle. And while they were in the wilderness, they got stuck where there was no food and no water for seven days. And so the the king of Israel cries out to God, what are we going to do? We are certainly going to die and be defeated by this army of Moab. And so God sends the prophet Elisha with these words to the people of Israel, 2 Kings 3, 16 through 18. This is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals, and then this phrase, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the army. So the story continues, and in the Bible it says, the next day, it used these words in the New Living Translation, water suddenly appeared and it was everywhere. Then through the mighty miraculous hand of God, they defeated the enemy army. And as I read this story, I was just stuck on the phrase, this is only a simple thing for God. It's only a simple thing for God. And I started thinking like nothing we ask God to do is hard for him to do. And I wrote this phrase in my journal, and this has been sticking with me. And this has been what God's been kind of refining in my heart. It's either simple or he's not God. It's either simple for him to do or he isn't God. Because I think sometimes, at least again, maybe it's only me, but I think sometimes we view our our list of prayer requests, and we kind of rank them in difficulty. Like like this one here, that would just be easy for God to do. But this one, like, man, I gotta pray really hard for that one because God's gonna have to muster up some strength to get that one done. Like, that's impossible. But here's the thing. There is no scale of difficulty with God. It's either simple or he's not God. And this, by the way, has changed the way I pray. Like, like I keep track of every prayer request in my life. So if I ever have a, a, a specific request, I literally have them numbered in my prayer journal. Uh, as of writing the sermon, I was at prayer request number 3747. And when God answers a prayer, even if the answer is not what I asked for, I mark it off in my prayer journal and date the day that God answered that prayer. And so if he answered the way I asked, I check mark it. If he doesn't answer the way I asked, I X it out. So it wasn't answered the way I asked. So I have lots of Xs and lots of check marks. Now, why do I do that? Because when I sit down to pray, there is physical evidence in front of my eyes of what God has done. And some of the things God has done in my life and some of the things I've seen him do in your lives and some of the things he's done for our church has seemed impossible to me, but they're just a simple thing to God. And that fuels my prayers. It makes me want to pray bigger and bolder prayers in my life. It keeps me praying longer. And by longer, I don't mean longer in one sitting. But that I'm not going to stop lifting up my request to God. Why? Because he can do anything. That nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is even remotely difficult for him to accomplish. So listen, I don't know what you're praying for today. I don't know. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I am here to tell you on behalf of God, it's just a simple thing for him to do. So don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. You might be praying for for God to heal a disease. You might be praying as as a couple to conceive a child. You might be praying for God to provide for you financially. You might have a loved one in your life who has wandered away from God and you're desperately pleading for God to bring them back home. And I'm here to tell you, it's just a simple thing for God. So don't stop praying. Don't stop. And listen, I don't know if he will do what you ask him to do. All I know is it's easy to do it. So don't stop praying. What do I had to praise him for? For who he is, you stand alone and have no equal. For what he does, the next line in that song is we will see what you've done and be amazed. And listen, you might even still be saying, God's not done anything for me to praise. And I would just give you one word the cross, if you can't praise him for dying in your place, then we have a whole other sermon we need to go into. He gave his life for me. And if that's the only thing to praise him for, that's all I need. That's all I need. Number three, the last thing I can praise God for is this. I can praise him for what he's going to do. What is going to do? Isaiah twenty-five, verse one. Now reading the whole verse says this: "O oh Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things; you planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them." And I learned something new in this sermon. I didn't know this about this verse. I have actually used this verse in my own prayer routine that I have because I read what scholars believe. There are many scholars who believe that that phrase, you do such wonderful things, was actually, Isaiah was not referring to things God already has done, but they were prophecies that were yet to come. So when he said, you do such wonderful things, you planned them long ago and now, you've accomplished them. That was a statement of faith that Isaiah believed so much in what God was going to do that for him, it was as if it already happened. That's how much faith Isaiah had in what God was going to do. He was praising with a sense of expectation, praising with a sense of anticipation in what God was going to do. So I wanna challenge us this week to pray and to praise with a sense of holy anticipation, holy expectation in what God is going to do. And when I say holy, I'm not just talking about H-O-L-Y, I'm talking about W-H-O-L-L-Y. That I have such a complete trust in God that I will praise him for what he's going to do based on what I know he is able to do. Because again, maybe it's just me. But I think sometimes we pray out of a sense of obligation and not a sense of expectation. Well, we're Christians and we're supposed to pray, so I I guess we'll pray. And we're we're gonna talk about the phrase, thy will be done next week in the message. Okay, we're gonna take on three phrases next week. We've done two and I to take three on next week. But I, I wonder sometimes if we throw in thy will be done at the end of our prayers, so that if God doesn't do what we've asked him to do, we're kind of off the hook. We kind of protect ourselves from disappointment. Like we pray this big, bold prayer and at the end, but thy will be done. So if you don't do it, God, like I, I understand, I'm not a very good prayer warrior, so it's okay. We should be praying with such a sense of expectation that when it happens, we're not even surprised. Do I have that kind of faith in my prayer? And listen, please hear me. I'm not talking about name it, claim it theology. Please do not leave saying, well, Pastor Jeff said, if I just believe, I will receive. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I believe, I believe God, I'm gonna get a raise tomorrow, and so I'm buying me a boat today. Woo! I believe God, gonna give me a smoking hot wife. that can cook, clean, and do my laundry. Because I believe I will receive. Okay, don't be stupid. Here's what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm about this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That I praise you simply for who you are. That even though my life might suck today, you are still God and you are still good. I praise you for what you've done that, Lord, you have done such amazing things, and because I know what you've already done, I praise you for what you are going to do, so much so, God, that I won't even be surprised when it happens. You know how many times in my life I have actually asked God to forgive me because I was surprised he answered my prayer? I go through it all the time, it's my human nature. Like, I pray these prayers, and then it happens, and I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. No, not really. Why? It's a simple thing. Now, I don't wanna lose my awe, my amazement of who God is, but no matter what God does, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. So I struggled with how to close the message today, but here's where I've landed, and I hope this is beneficial to us. There's a story in Luke chapter one. It's the story of John the Baptist's parents, his mom and dad. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist's parents were very old, it uses that phrase, very old. So if you're like a teenager, that would be me. If you're my age, that'd be my my parents, You know, whatever it is. So they were very old, however you wanna put that category in there. And they had been praying to conceive a child their whole life, but they never conceived a child. Well, one day, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, was serving in the temple, and the angel Gabriel came and appeared to Zechariah and said, the Lord has heard your prayer and your wife will conceive a child. And Zechariah's response was not, I knew it. We've been praying for years, I knew it. Here's his response and it's like mine. How's that even possible? How's it possible? And I am blown away by Gabriel's response. In Luke 1:19. 19, says, how's that even possible? And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel and I stand in the very presence of God. It was him who sent me to bring you this good news. And I want you to notice when Zechariah said how, Gabriel did not tell him how, he told him who. He told him who sent him. And it was almost like, are you seriously asking me how? Like I've, seen God. I've seen him. So I know who he is and I know what he does. And this is just a simple thing for the God I stand in the presence of. And church, I'm telling you, whenever I get to the end of my life, I don't want to enter heaven and see God and wish I would have prayed bigger prayers. I want to enter heaven and see my Lord Jesus and say, I knew it. That's the God I was praying to. That's why I prayed the way I did. That's why I believed what I did. He's King Jesus and there is no other. That's what I want in my life, church. And that's what I hope we have in our church, that we seek God with all we are. Why? It's a simple thing. Simple thing for God. So here's my challenge. One minute every day, I want you to pray this prayer. It's on the screens. If you'll take take a picture of it, if you want to, write it down, whatever. When you wake up every day, you can continue last weeks if you want. Our Father who art in heaven, you are God, I am not. I surrender my position to you. And then this, hallowed be thy name. I praise you for who you are. Praise you for what you've done. And I praise you for what you're going to do. Church, we start praying like this, we will change. Not our circumstances, we will change. And that's the point of prayer. Prayer's not getting God to do what we want, it's getting us to become more like God. So I surrender my position and I start with praise. Will you do this with me? One minute a day, every day, pray this prayer. Your life will never be the same. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me hoot and holler as I usually do. I appreciate you guys so much. I didn't share this. I don't know why I'm gonna share it right now. I had a chance to speak at another church earlier this year and speaking at another church made me miss you guys because here's here's what i know about you that i did not feel in this church you actually lean into the word of god and you make it easy to preach to like when i preach i feel like you're you're waiting to hear okay and at the place i was preaching i felt like they were like proven type mentality and you're not like that you're awesome and i love preaching to you guys i love being your pastor thanks for Allow me to do that. Let me pray for you. Pastor Andy has some closing words. God, you're so good. God, I'm just blown away by who you are. Man, I don't ever want to lose the majesty, the wonder, the awe that you are God and there is no other. And yet you choose to reside in my heart. Blows me away. So, Lord, I surrender my position. And I start with praise. I praise you, for you are God. In Jesus' name, amen.